your name is life. What an amazing truth that is, that we stand this morning together in this place like thousands of other Christ followers around the planet either are or are going to over the next 24 hours, depending where they live, because His name changes the trajectory of lives. His name changes things. More, the most important things that changes us as individuals. But then He stated very clearly in Matthew 16 that He's going to build His church. So as much as He completely transforms an individual, His end game in that moment is to get you and me assembled like this. This morning's message is Paul's ongoing instruction to a church, not unlike this one. Christ followers, people from all walks of life coming together, trying to work out how to make that work because we've all got different opinions about everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes us individuals. But Paul's on a mission in this letter to the Roman church to help them do church really well. And so this is the last installment of this series in the book of Romans. Flick over into Philippians next week with Pastor Lars. But the same sentiment, sent to be the church. He sent us into the world to be his hands and feet and he's opted to use the church. His choice, not mine, not yours. He's opted to use the church, not me, us, to actually bring about the transformation that's needed. So let me pray before you sit down. <clears throat> Jesus, we need you. We need you to renew us, refresh us, revive us, strengthen us every day. We pray, Lord, today that as you speak through the words that I've found prompted to put together, that as a church gathered here in the Adelaide Hills and congregations down at Parkside and Henley Beach, that we would really be confident that we are representing you well. Lord, that we would be like any other person who spends time getting dressed in the morning, putting on their neatest clothes, doing their hair, putting on some makeup. That's not me, but you know what I'm talking about. No problem if you're a guy and you put on makeup, that's up to you. But my point is, we actually spend time, considered time, to present ourselves to other people as individuals. It stands to reason that we ought to spend time preparing ourselves to present Jesus to a broken world at his best. And he is the best. But for some strange reason, Lord, you've put all of that in our hands. So help us, Jesus, to reflect you better than we ever have in the days ahead. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. You might as well go and join them for a moment.
It's very good. I just want to add one comment as the senior pastor, Tegan, to your little bit of uh, encouragement around prayer and the terminology of the engine room. Um, I'd want to say to you that the vision of our church and the sense of direction that God places in Julie and myself as the senior pastors over the last umpteen years is directly reflected by the level of corporate prayer that surrounds me. Um, it sounds a little bit funny to use the word me, but I got the picture of Moses on top of the hill when they're fighting with a, the Arameans, I think it is, at the bottom. And whilst he's got his hands up in prayer, they're winning. But eventually, he needed other people to hold his arms up. In that sense, the corporate prayer meeting is the engine room of this church. I could, and I should, I will tell you, the number of times that in a six o'clock prayer meeting, the number of times in a Wednesday night evening prayer meeting, the number of times God's spoken to me about our church there, not when I'm praying by myself. It's the actual anointing, the corporate anointing, that is part of the meeting, whatever form that takes, I'd want to say to you it's important that we do that because somebody needs to hear from God, especially the person who's supposed to be leading. Um, and I know there's a lot of responsibility on my part to do that by myself, and Julie and I do that. But I value, I totally value getting in your presence with God. Because it's what puts life into me. It puts a flow of unity into us. It's the way God just, it's the way it's designed. And so I just want to encourage you to just keep on making what you can happen, happen with regards to being at something like our gatherings for prayer. Um, I know there's always completely legitimate reasons that you, you cannot come. Uh, family, age and stage of life. I don't have a tribe full of kids at home. I can just get out of bed at six o'clock a prayer meeting and come don't have to worry about whether there's somebody waking up looking for breakfast and needing help to go to the toilet and all that sort of parental stuff that's not my lot in life but if it is yours just look at ways you can make that work every now and then at the very least because it just adds a bit like adding some extra ingredients into the meal you're making it just makes our church robust and flavoursome um, diverse and representing Jesus well. Anyway, I digress. So Romans 14 and 15, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, we're looking at these two chapters very quickly um, to finish up this series in the book of Romans. Um, I do want to say at the outset that chapters 12, 13 and uh, 14 and 15, 12, 13, 14 and 15 of this book really rely on getting your head around Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. About be transformed, in view of God's mercy, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everything that follows the Paul writes is predicated on that. We've actually got to get our mind renewed, maybe on a daily basis, maybe on an hourly basis. But what we bring into a community of faith like this from our own world of experience needs a transformative moment with the Holy Ghost needs to be transformed by Jesus. 
And so he turns in chapter 14 to the issue of opinions. And so unlike us in the 21st century, we don't have opinions. The Romans did. Um, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. There's the issue again of it's actually about faith, not about the deal. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. I don't know about you, but I've got to get a transforming of my mind moment to get me to live there. I'm called to live for our benefit. You're called to live for our benefit, not our own benefit. It's kind of a side deal, our own benefit, on the one hand, but it requires us to cooperate completely on the other, and that cooperation is absolutely essentially connected to Jesus and Jesus' voice in our life and his influence in our life, his forgiveness in our life, his mercy, particularly as uh, Paul opened that chapter in chapter 12. Um, So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10, you then, this this is Pastor Paul talking, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? He's straight right in their face saying, hang on a minute, don't you be waving your finger at that person on the other side of the church because they don't agree with you about what's important and what's not. He's saying, hang on a minute. That's not the way church works. Or why do you treat them with contempt? He's pretty pretty blunt, brutal. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And he goes on to talk about quoting some Old Testament there. For then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Verse 13, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. He, he really wants this church to step away from that way of living in order that it can become all that God wants it to be. Instead, say instead. So there's an opportunity here for us to choose something different. It's not like this is impossible for you. No, this is what Jesus is calling us. Instead, make up your mind to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So different opinions about all matter of issues have always been part of the human journey together. That's both inside and outside the church. One of the great challenges in being a Christ follower is leaving the pattern of this world behind in our thinking. And so my first point this morning is this. We belong to the Lord. Like working that out, like elsewhere he says you're not your own, you've been paid for by a price. It's like we are living in a world where that is not the most um, favourable way of looking at life. It's all about my choices, my rights, my body, my choice. I'm not sure, I don't want to get into the pros and cons of what that issues around other than to say it's actually built out of a different spirit than this this spirit is about well actually my body is not my body it belongs to God 
And uh, it's a very unpopular thing to say. If we're on Facebook, might even get shut down for saying that. It's like, it, but it's, it's because it's, we're not of this world. Yeah. I mean, how obvious is that? It's pretty obvious to me. He values each of us, so I need to stop comparing. I've talked about that before and justifying my view. Social psychologists would agree that we all seek approval from others. So in this place, whether you admit it or not, you're looking to be accepted and approved of by this group of people, or most of it. And if you don't feel accepted or approved of, you'll leave. Um, but approval and acceptance are very subjective in the sense that you might be approved of and accepted but not feel it. Wow. Not because it's not given, but because you don't know how to receive it. And you don't know how to receive it because of the way you were brought up. Let me just go there. This is why he starts this whole section with, you need to be transformed, Bruce, by the renewal of your mind. Because your parents were great parents. They brought you up in church. They were Christians. They didn't abuse you. You had a loving family, two sisters. I had a pretty, what you'd call, fabulous childhood. But like you, I learnt on reflection at 65 some pretty dodgy ways to actually invoke acceptance and feel like people like me. And when I'm on that venture with what I learned by being rejected at school, having my big sister call me big ears, um, being called at school, oh, you're a churchy goody two-shoes, aren't you? Not once, relentlessly. Paid out for being a Christian. You, went, you go to church every week, is your family retarded? Well, you can't say that anymore either. But back in the 60s, you could. All of that stuff, cumulatively, your journey might be a little different, cumulatively causes me to respond in social settings to some, some word cues that really push buttons and others where I'm really wanting to be liked, but I'm getting the vibe that I feel uncomfortable. What am I going to do? I need Jesus to wipe that stuff. I need to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. The problem is, most of us have worked out what I use this word cautiously, but manipulative and self-serving ways to get people to agree with us. And so we end up with little groups of agreeable people because we feel accepted and they, they listen to my opinion about this, that and the other. And it's like, this stuff's all going on in the Roman church. And Paul's saying, enough's enough. I wouldn't dare to presume it's going on in our church. Not much. Because nothing's changed in human nature. And I don't know about you, but I need to repent and say, God, forgive me. I want to be able to get renewed here. So there's no game playing going on. There's no hangovers from my broken past about dealing with him or her or them or this or that. It's like, can that happen? You bet it can. It's a miracle like getting saved. It's called being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, so, you know, the old example, the word, the birds of a feather flock together. You'll find people, if they've got some deal going on, though some people have just learned, I've got to find somebody. Because if I can find someone to say, yeah, well, yeah, I think that too, all of a sudden, oh, there I'm accepted. 
And you've got to ask yourself, why do I behave like that? Why does that matter? What does it matter? Jesus didn't care that he was rejected. He got spat on, he got whipped, he got crucified. He didn't give a rip what people thought about him. What he gave a rip about was what God thought of him. End of story. Bruce, do you live in that zone? Uh-uh. I still worry about what you think about me. I still go to bed at night tossing and turning thinking that was a really dodgy conversation that I heard about today that was critical, that was hurtful to me as a senior pastor. I'm broken, feel like giving up, quitting, throwing the towel and go and get nodded. I've had those thoughts. It's like, I can't afford to do that. That's how I used to behave. I've got a job to do. It's called a calling to do what God wants me to do. I don't know what your job is to do specifically with regards to that, but you've got the same mantle of calling, doing with your life what God wants you to do with it. Get on with it. Get on with it here. Get on with it with us. And that's how it works. Anyone else saying amen besides Anna? It's like, come on, come on. So the learned behaviour. Maybe we, we need a time of repentance right here, right now. It's like, God, as Bruce was talking about this, I, I really am sorry for the times. I've actually let my way of dealing with acceptance by other people shipwreck my relationships with other people. And I've been prepared to let that shipwrecking happen because I've been accepted by that person. And I don't give a rip about that person doesn't really like me anyway. It's like Paul's saying, don't think like that. Don't let that poison sit in the church. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you belong to God, not your own. That's my first point. Let's move on. Romans 15 verses 1 through 4. This is where it gets interesting yet again. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Oh, what? Thank you. That's not right, Jesus. What do you mean I'm not to please myself? Those of us that are strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. He's saying, don't you, if you're in a position of power, do not be manipulative. Don't exert power. Don't do something to put yourself forward. If you encounter somebody who's just not quite got their act together in church, make it your business to help them. Full stop. Clean motives, one of the most difficult, I've heard another pastor say, one of the most uh, likely places for you to end up with an almighty bun fight in any relationship is to start questioning someone's motives. And we do it all the time. We presume people's motives when we don't know all the facts. I mean, the sad thing is the person that we're criticising doesn't even know all the facts because they're another broken person like you and me. And we're throwing mud at them, presuming that they're motivated to do that because of this. It's like, that's dangerous, very destructive. So don't jump to a conclusion about people's motivations, just a little side thought there. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. Can we do this? Think of the person sitting next to you. Just look at them and think, I'm here this morning to build you up. I'm here to make your life the best life it can be. I'm on a mission to help you succeed. And my sad, tragic thought for me is, I don't always live there, but I want to, Jesus. Can I hear anyone say, me too? Well, we want to live there, Lord, me too. This is a good me too. Not the other one's a bad one, but anyway. 
Oh boy, I'm getting into trouble this morning. If you're watching online in America, just forgive me. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Our hope's in Christ. My, my hope's in Jesus, not in whether you like me. And that doesn't give me license to be a complete idiot and unlikable. But it ends up meaning in a mental health space, which is a massive issue in our world. I'm actually reconciled that I'm accepted by God and loved by God and I'm on a mission to make sure as best I can I can love you guys and you can love me and we can get on with it. And then when there are bubbles of rumbles and trip over spots and things we get wrong, rather than big worldly blow up, you don't agree with me, we can't be friends anymore, that's where the world goes. No such thing as civilised debate anymore. Why? Because people are being trained to not live in this space. We can get on. We can link arms. We can say, you know what, Matt, I don't agree with anything that comes out of your mouth, but let's link arms and go together on the journey through life. And he says, let's do this. That's a choice. That's a choice that happens when we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. Our personal opinions become less important to us and hopefully they become completely unrelated to, as in disconnected to our sense of self-worth and acceptance. Because they need to be. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, where do we get to? Yes. Second point then, we live for the benefit of others. I put, question, uh, put um, comma, right, question mark. We live for the benefit of others, don't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes. I think many of us would like to think that, well, that's me, I live for the benefit of others. But then there's other things that creep in. Paul doesn't stop at instructing not to judge. He provides a means for overcoming such tendency. Look to the well-being of the other first. Not to please ourselves is an interesting phrase. In other words, being understanding of a weak person is not meant to involve getting them to agree with us or meant to elicit a warm, fuzzy feeling for being kind-hearted. In other words, some people's acts of charity and goodness are not about the other person's well-being. That's a side product to them feeling good about themselves when they're not transformed by the renewal of your mind. Is this pushing anyone's buttons? That's a nasty thing to say, isn't it, in church? But it's true. We've got to be so careful that we let Jesus examine our motives there. Is, is that kind-heartedness about me feeling good about me? I'll have to say for me, sadly, there have been occasions in my life where I go, you got me, Jesus. You got me. That kindness, that generosity, that conversation with someone that helped them was more about me feeling good about me than them being helped. I'm just being brutally truthful about me. I'm actually a wretched person. Paul says this in, earlier in the book. 
I do, I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I do want to do. Who can save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 8, there is now no condemnation. It's like, wow. Jesus is not condemning me. He's calling me to be transformed. How good is that? And he says, come on, Bruce, you can do this now. He says, you can actually talk to Rachel and encourage her with a pure heart because I've changed you. Some of us, this might not be the issue that you trip over, but I tell you, you trip over something. Something to do with people. That's if you deal with people. Some of us avoid people. It's probably a smart move, but anyway. I'll put this down as a thought, closing this little section out. Getting a handle on clean motives for our actions. So this is just a personal journey, not one of reflecting on other people. Clean motives for our actions, I have discovered, is a lifelong journey of bearing with the failings of others. So those who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. I can't judge that person. It's not right for me to feel superior to the person who's failed in the area. What I need to let that failing in them do to me is to examine my own motives and come to the conclusion, oop, I need a bit of help, Jesus, or I'm sweet. Nope, this is an area that I've nailed with Jesus and I'm good with it. And have an honest conversation with oneself. All right, moving on. Romans 15, 5 to 9. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. What an amazing prayer that is. Let me just read the word that grabs my attention in that sentence. Grant. May the God of patience and comfort grant you. In other words, it's a call he makes. If we don't ask for it, we're not going to get that. Paul's asking for it for this church, for you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorifying God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. So he's going on and on and on about the need to make us a priority for each one of us. And he's definitely of the view we can do this. If you're an introvert thinking, oh, I'm not sure I can do this because I've kind of really, actually, I really do not like hanging out with people. I'm just, I'd rather be by myself. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God loves introverts. He loves people that are quiet. He loves those that are crazy, mad and out there and everything in between. We're all just get put together in this place and he goes, now go for it. Go for it together. Have fun. Enjoy each other's company. Work out your problems. But most of all, love each other. Kind of works for me. Last point this morning. Um, We live to give God glory. So unity is not an end in itself. It is the means to an end. Single voice of glory to God. Like a perfectly pitched choir of many voices sounds magnificent, That's our aim in praise. Our aim 
We might not sound like a perfectly pitched choir. That's not the point I'm trying to make. My point is that when we decide that our unity is to die for, figuratively speaking, then unity is going to provide us with the means to glorify God and our community will see it. It'll glow out of the building. It'll be like a radioactive, I don't know, whatever, over the top of the building. Probably not supposed to talk about that now either, but um, a bit controversial. But anyway, um, let's finish up with this thought. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, the prayer is, may the God, may the God of hope fill you. So I want to get down and get out of those lights and have a look and just say that to you as a blessing this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. This little group here. All joy, say all joy. And peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow. You guys are going to overflow. With hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Short version of that is ditto for you lot. (laughs) But no, I want to say it to you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Let me just see if I make eye contact with everyone in this section because I'm talking to you. Scary even the pastor looks you in the eye, I know that, but you need to receive this. This is a beautiful little blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In such a broken, dark world, what a beautiful set of words to receive into your spirit this morning. Hope, just bubbling up. Amen. Double portion for you, young fella. (laughs) Just ask your dad what I said, all right? He'll tell you later. Okay, I'll get to you guys later. Your hard work over there, I'll come. Okay. This is building up to it. This this side here. Let me see if I can, right across the back, make an eye contact. Yes, 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 yes. Right through. I'm talking to you. Talking to you. Talking to all of you. Talking to you. And to you. Yes, and you too, Grace. Love you. What a legend. Let me read this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not a bad way to finish church, is it? Saving the best for last. I was only joking before. Correct? I'll just stand back from here because otherwise my microphone's going to go crazy. May the God of um, hope fill you with all joy. All joy. It's like, yes, I'll have that. And peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. All righty. So Jesus is in the business of transforming us, changing our lives. We call this, strangely, an altar call moment. And it's an altar call because it's an invitation to surrender one's life to Jesus. 
An altar, an altar in the Old Testament is definitely the ultimate sacrifice, I mean, the ultimate place of surrender because something gets killed. In our case, in this era of world history, nobody else has to get killed. No blood has to get shed because Jesus did on the cross. His blood, his life means that you and I can come to what we loosely call an altar to surrender. And surrendering is a choice. The Bible's pretty clear to me that that choice is actually prompted by the Holy Spirit in the first place. I think one of the Wesley boys called it prevenient grace. There's this activity of God behind the scenes in your life when you don't know about it. That's just trying to nudge you along the road to a moment like this if you've never had this moment with Jesus to give your life to him. And so it may be no surprise to you, if you're sitting in the auditorium here this morning or watching online, that listening to me right now is causing an unusual response inside of here and here. And you're going, hang on a minute, what are you doing? It's just the pastor talking and I'm feeling really strange. The strangeness is God, because he's from another place, trust me. And his strangeness at the moment is probably lack of familiarity more than anything but he wants you to receive him and surrender to him simultaneously to become a Christ follower if you've never prayed a prayer we actually believe in our church C3 churches that it's as simple and it's not simple in the sense of insignificant but it's as simple as speaking words out of your mouth that confess that Jesus is the son of God and that he died on a cross to pay the sin, per, penalty for your sin you repent from sin say Lord I totally acknowledge I've been making a mess of life I've stuffed things up left right and centre I don't know what your journey is but it's a clean slate from the moment you say yes to Jesus yeah. so if you've never prayed a prayer like that or if you haven't you've lost your way and you know you have you're just a million miles from God why don't you say yes Bruce that's me I want to get connected to Jesus or reconnected because I've been a long way out in the wilderness. If you're here in the auditorium and that question's causing you to go, yes, in here, I want you to put your hand up and say, that's me. Can we pray a prayer together? And we can pray a prayer that invites Jesus to establish his kingdom in your life. Anyone this morning assembled in the meeting who needs to make that business happen between you and God, just say, yeah, that's me, Bruce watching online and that invitation made sense to you um, you can find our website I think it's listed in the comments at the bottom of YouTube there click on our website and you'll find there's a prayer that you can locate on our website that you can pray inviting Jesus into your life if you do that online you need to let us know so just there's an email link there just click on that and say I just prayed this prayer and we'll reach out to you and see if we can help you hook up with a church nearby. If you're not in the Adelaide Hills and you live in Unawupwup somewhere, um, finding a local church is the best way to keep walking with Jesus. Amen. Um, this is also a place where you can transact with God. Maybe I've said something this morning that's caused you to go, you know, uh-oh, I want to just get a clean slate with Jesus. Come out the front while we sing this last song in a moment. And I'd love to just lay hands on you and pray for you, for the Holy Spirit to just encourage you and strengthen you. Because we 
have got work to do, right? Yeah. Very good. Why don't we stand to our feet?